0: Um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com courses. Thanks for the support.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Alice Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Larry Yach, a retired Navy SEAL that has a new book called How Leadership Actually Works which reveals Navy leadership secrets that we'll get right into in this conversation ahead. It is so interesting. Okay, Larry, Yach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here.
0: That's my honor.
1: Okay, so you've recently written a new book, you know, kind of revealing some of the Navy SEALs leadership secrets, which can't wait to hear about. Um, but let's get into your journey, How'd you become a Navy SEAL? Like, when did you realize that that was going to be your, uh, your calling in life?
0: Uh, for me, it all started in third grade with Top Gun. I saw Top Gun in the theaters uh, in third grade and decided I was going to be a fighter pilot. And soon thereafter, figured out that all the coolest fighter pilots went to the Naval Academy. So that was my, my path from very early on. Like, It was really odd that that early uh, I got set on that's what I was going to do.
1: So cool. That's just so cool. We, most people get set on, you know, being a basketball player or something and then never in third grade it never gets to come to fruition. But your dream came true.
0: Yeah. Uh, in seventh grade, a friend gave me a sweatshirt that they said Navy SEALs on it. And this was in the late eighties, early nineties. And back then no one knew what a navy seal was. I didn't either. He just got it because it said Navy and had a cool logo. And so I went to the library and found a book called the men with green faces, which was a Vietnam era seal book. And by the end of the book, I was convinced that fighter pilots were pansies and I needed to be a Navy seal. And so that was really the, the turning point for me. And uh, I did go to the Naval Academy. So I got in and, and spent my four years there and then at the end competed to get a seal billet and got a chance to go to seal training in the fall of 1998. Wow.
1: Um, that's, that's incredible. Um, I have heard a lot about seal training and, you know, reading and movies and stuff. So, um, what happened after seal? It sounds like you got, you got through the seal training and and then, then what happened for you?
0: So my class was one of the last winter classes. So a class that we started in the late fall and then graduated in the early spring and, they eventually, I think it was one more class after mine, one more year worth of winter classes, then they stopped doing that because the attrition rates were so high. Uh, our class started with 135 guys, and six months later, we graduated 11, so over 90% attrition, which uh, the average attrition rate for seals uh, it through just basic training is 75%. So very, very hard process. But what was nice is there's only three officers that made it through the training. And so we got to pick whatever team we wanted to go to. So I chose to go to SEAL Team 3 because uh, at the time SEAL Team 3 was responsible for the Middle East. And in the, what would have been the spring of 99, there's nothing going on, right? There's no, no action going on in the world. And I figured if there was gonna be any action, it was gonna be in the Middle East. And as we know by history, I was correct.
1: Right. So you wanted to put yourself right in the middle of, that, of, the, of the, the thick of it and uh, get the most uh, exposure that you possibly could, which is, you know, that's a broadly applicable uh, lesson for, you know, any business.
0: Oh, exactly. Uh, you know, not a, and from there, I every time I deployed was a combat deployment, which is actually quite rare. Uh, SEALs cover the whole world 24-7, 365, and there's only ever conflict in a very small part of it, and a lot of it's timing, and I just happen to have very good timing, being in the right place at the right time, which to some degree speaks to the the mindset it takes to be a SEAL when you're, you're the one that feels lucky that you get to go to the world's worst places and and have people try to kill you on a regular basis.
1: Right. Um, okay. So uh, how long is a, a Navy SEAL career? Like how many deployments, how many years, like how long does it, does it go for?
0: It varies. Uh, the, you can retire at 20 years. So at 20 years, the option, you have the opportunity to retire, and then you get a retirement after that. Uh, the, the general range is uh, after about six to eight years is kind of the first time that people usually look to get out, and then from there, uh, round 10 is another kind of turning point. And then if you get to that 12 or 13 year mark, that's where that that call or that pull for retirement kind of sticks around. Uh, For me, I spent, I did three deployments, three combat deployments, and then went to a team uh, to start a new section or a new kind of mission for the SEALs, which was in human intelligence, uh, surveillance, technical surveillance, and built that team up. And unfortunately, I was injured and medically retired uh, in 2008. So I had a 10-year span uh, until a surgeon took away my ability to be a seal anymore,
1: oh wow, you were injured in the course of duty?
0: I was a number of times and eventually uh, a back injury uh, that I ended up I had the back injury and then spent two years in the field continuing to operate, just continue to cause more and more damage and then uh, the surgeon nicked uh, the l four l five nerve root, trying to fix my back, and that took away all of the feeling along that nerve pathway so most of my right leg went completely numb.
1: Oh my God. Wow. Do you, do you still have that problem?
0: Uh, I do where I don't, uh, I can do some cool party tricks with a hundred dollar bill on a stapler if you, you know, ever interested, but uh, yeah, most of my right leg's numb. I lost about 10, 15% of use. Uh, The surgeon said, the doctor said I wasn't going to walk without a cane, but uh, just by force of will, I chose that that wasn't going to be my future and and continue to be quite active, but uh, in a decent amount of pain on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, wow, that's, that's too bad. So um, okay, so after you're forced out of this retirement into retirement, um, like what's going through your mind?
0: Really, the biggest thing for me was from the time I was in third grade, I went to uh, Catholic school, small Catholic schools. I've been in a uniform. Someone told me what to do. Went straight from high school, all boys Catholic high school, into the Naval Academy, straight from that Naval Academy into SEALs and, and combat deployments. Uh, what I was really looking for was freedom, like for, for, to be able to dress the way I wanted to dress, shave when I wanted to shave, go where I wanted to go. I mean, throughout that time frame, I, I didn't uh, have vacations. I didn't get time off. And so what really drove me into entrepreneurship was two things. One, the life that I wanted to create, I didn't see a path to that through the traditional means of working for other people. And the the second and the biggest driver was freedom, right? Just having the freedom of the choice, the freedom to, to create and in that creation, create something of value. Uh, that was what drove me to entrepreneurship. So, literally, laying in the hospital bed, my eventual business partner, uh, she has a master's in international security and anti-terrorism. She was working in the intelligence field. Uh, we decided that we could continue to to protect the country, but do it through education instead of fighting on the front lines. And so, we've run, uh, started, and run a series of training companies for the last, uh, we're going on 15 years now.
1: Wow. Larry, everything you do is so purposeful. Like you, you're in third grade and you know what your job is going to be. And then you're like, you're laying in the hospital bed and like, you know, you want freedom. And so it's like, I mean, that's a huge gift because, you know, so many people are like, Oh, I, you know, I want to have a freedom of life, but like, how do I get there? I have no, I have no clue. So it's like, it's amazing that you've been able to have that like self-awareness to, to know like so clearly what's next.
0: I really I believe that it's through discipline and structure that we have freedom. Uh, most a lot of people I think have the the opposite approach that the more the more structure you have in the life your life the less freedom you have in your life and and I I believe that to be faulty and that the more structure and process the more ability to have the discipline and self regulation to stick to those processes and structures actually frees my mind and my ability to do much larger things. And when it comes to building and organizing teams, that ability to coordinate action with others is dependent on your ability to hold your commitments. And so, that foundation of self-regulation, I think, is ultimately what provides success in our lives.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really cool uh, mindset. I, I I really I really like that. So, uh, tell me more about the uh, the training entrepreneurship venture that you started.
0: What I found is that the least free people are entrepreneurs. Like I, I thought I was going to get freedom by <laughs> having this, and that was a completely false. It's funny. that The same thing in the seals, right? Having I I thought going to special operations would be where I had the most freedom uh, to do what I wanted to do and work with units I wanted to work with. But in essence, it's the least free, right? Where the most we have the highest demand in what we do, and the same thing in entrepreneurship that at being at the top of an organization that you've created is really a very challenging place to be and not a very free place to be. And in that process, uh, we have found that the ability to create and function at a high level with teams is really what gives us freedom in this world. And it was this really strange counterpoint in the seals. I was, my competition tried to kill me on a daily basis. They only sent me to the world's worst places, and we only got missions that everyone else said was impossible. Right? Arguably, the worst working environment that you could be in, yet I had the highest feelings of success in that environment. And then I get into the business world, and I create my own companies. Um, I've got absolute freedom of of choice. I've got. I'm in nice places, there there isn't life and death impact, yet my sense of success was not there, right? I And that difference of why in these world's worst places I felt amazing, yet in the environments where everything's really nice, nice cars, big house, all of this stuff, it, it wasn't there. And I realized that the level to which we coordinate action with those around us determines our success, our experience of success. and. Being a SEAL operating in horrible environments, but with a team that was tightly coordinated, absolutely trustworthy, and we're accomplishing very difficult missions under risk is where success came from. Whereas on the the civilian side with a dysfunctional team not doing a big thing, all of a sudden it didn't matter. There was a nice environment. That success doesn't live there.
1: Again, so, so interesting. Um, And so you how'd you meet your uh, business partner?
0: Uh, She picked me up at a bar in DC. (laughs) Yeah, it was. uh, uh, She was, like I said, working in the intelligence fields. And and I was actually in DC uh, doing some training with the CIA. And so, I mean, it literally is like right out of a spy novel. I thought she was a spy for the first uh, number of years that we were together and that uh, she speaks four languages and she thought it was funny that I'd come into a room and she'd be speaking a foreign language and then switch to English. And so <laughs> yeah, we, we start off on, on that front and then, and then found that our partnership uh, in business was a lot more beneficial than, than our romantic relationship. So we've been building companies and uh, training and really very broad domains. Our first our first organization, we we designed, built and deployed technical surveillance products, and we would train individuals and units how to use them. We'd actually run operations in uh, North America and Canada. Uh, from there, we we built a company around personal safety and self-defense and built a facility in Minneapolis where we train four to five thousand people a year in how to be situationally aware and stay safe. Uh, that led to a, a school coming to ask us to assess their student safety and anti-bullying programs. And we identified that the bullying was not based on the the anti-bullying programs. It was based on the fact that they had no leadership development. Bullying is the opposite of leadership. A bully uses their force to hurt someone. A leader uses their force to create positive change in people's lives. So we built a leadership development program for middle schools, high schools, and colleges. And we started getting uh, requests from parents that their fifth graders lesson in communication was the best thing they've ever seen. Uh, and it had to be because teaching respect, responsibility, leadership, communication through a teacher to a fifth grader, you have to get to the fundamental principles. And so that was this, the start of our company now, now this is almost 10 years ago was teaching high powered, very, uh, well-paid leadership teams in large companies. We're talking billion dollar, $500 million a year companies, fifth grade lessons in communication. So that was the start of it all.
1: Right. Back to the basics. Yep. Pretty cool. The fundamentals. Yeah. You got to start, you got to start there. Um, and then, so you're doing this, you're training these high powered executives on fundamental communication skills and then when does the idea for the leadership book hit you
0: so we we ran a very traditional uh leadership development company where we would work with companies they had to be a minimum of 20 million a year and those would be very small for us and then we would train in person once a month anyone with manager or responsibilities in company and for some of these companies it'd be five, 600 people, I mean, very large organizations. And we were miserable, like traveling all over the world, all over the country. Part of it is teaching people that didn't wanna be there, right? The CEO of a large company says, we're gonna train the whole company. And we'd spend months just getting them to the point of seeing that they had an issue and wanting to apply it. And we'd make these little changes. A, a billion dollar company, if you make a half a degree change that that's, hundreds of millions of benefit. But for a, a people that really care about personal change, like we just didn't see a lot of change. So six years ago, we fired all our clients started over and went full live virtual. So we were doing live virtual training three years before the pandemic,
1: right ahead of the curve. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which was hard. Like we've always been ahead of the curve. And it's not a fun place to be. Because, I mean, for we'd run classes, and for the first two classes, people are still can't figure out how to turn on their camera, turn on their mic. We would have to convince them that live virtual was more efficient and effective than doing stuff in person in large groups. But that set us up to have to really teach in a different way, to really go back to, similarly, the information that we found with the school systems of having to come to these fundamental principles, because we would train multiple companies at the same time in the same live virtual sessions, which was really a big paradigm shift too. that having multiple companies leaders in the same environment learning was more beneficial to each of them than doing it by themselves. And from that, we had to to define these really impactful principles of high performance. And that was the foundation of the book. We did that for what well, would be four years? And again, pandemic hit. There's a couple months of scarcity around people kind of getting a grasp of what's going to happen. And then it really hit that all of a sudden, when we have to manage a team and we're not on site, the weaknesses in companies management just came to the top. And that's where you know our business really blew up because we already knew how to deliver virtually. We're delivering the key things that enable high performance. And after seeing that, we just, we had to write a book. We had to put the entire formula of what we were teaching into a format just to impact more people.
1: Right, super cool. So Larry, can you give us a, like a, a taste of, of, of these leadership principles that are covered in the book?
0: Oh, totally, so one of the first things is we we turn things up on its head and saying that leadership is one of the last things we gotta talk about, not the first things we need to talk about when it comes to this concept. Of, And the the core concept is the point of leadership is to coordinate action, to create an environment where multiple people can coordinate action towards a desired end state efficiently and effectively. And in order to do that, we have to start a lot earlier. So six pillars is how we break it up. I don't claim that these are the only way to break it up. This is just how we break up high performance. So Really what this is is a formula for high performance as an individual or, or as an organization, it doesn't make a difference. The principles are the same and it it's for us, it starts with our first pillar is success and our concept of success is a bit different as opposed to setting a goal and achieving it, which is what everyone commonly holds as success, we say that success really is a human experience of an optimized daily experience that's sustainable over time. And that's a very different thing because most of the businesses that we work with may be producing results, but they're in misery and suffering in the production of that. And so that's the first thing that we need to switch. We need to identify how to optimize our daily experience and and make it sustainable over time.
1: Right. Enjoying the journey.
0: Exactly. The next piece is that. The greatest way or the biggest impact of our experience in life is how we're coordinating with those around us. When we're in discord with those around us, we can't produce results and we have a miserable experience. When we can coordinate at a high level, we produce great results and have a good experience. So team is the second pillar. When it comes to team, the behavior of an individual and your behavior determines the, what team you get to be on and the functional level of that team. So being able to identify behavior, and more importantly, behavior change, gives us the ability to be on the right team, function at the right level, and produce success. And the last piece of this first foundational part is, behavior is determined by self-regulation. So our ability to regulate mentally, physically, and emotionally determines our behavior. And with that intention, we can influence others' behavior. So those first four pieces become a foundation of performance in any domain. Having the ability to be, have clarity and success in the experience, the team we need to be on, the behavior we need for that team to exhibit, and the ability to self-regulate, which gives us the ability to change behavior. So we start there.
1: Wow, that sounds so powerful.
0: The last piece of it, so in, this is what amazes me. We've talked about all that, nothing to do with leadership. Right. At that point, we're talking about individual performance and group performance. So it works both both levels that individual performance is necessary before we can lead, because all leadership is is taking those same four pillars and enabling others to optimize their performance in those, giving them clarity of what success is to them, helping them coordinate action as a team. Influencing their behavior and giving them a better ability to self-regulate. So that's fifth pillar is leadership where we now turn outward. And at that point, you start to gain momentum as an organization and an individual, and that's where planning comes in. And so our last pillar is planning. So that's the foundation of what we teach.
1: Wow. That sounds like a, a really compelling, powerful uh, book here to kind of, you know, the first part of mindset and team building and the last part of, you know, leadership and planning. It's like, yeah, that's, that makes total sense how, uh, how you've laid that out. So this book, it's not just for people that take your cor- your course, like people can buy this book, I assume on, on Amazon and, and everywhere else. Right.
0: Yeah. The other thing I do have, a there's a bit of a warning. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fluffy kind of guy, right? Like there is not. This is not a book of SEAL stories that's gonna be entertaining. We, we layer some in there to be able to, to give you some, but this is, it's a hardcore instruction manual. Like it is dense material. We don't hold anything back. I mean, this, this is the same content that we charge upwards of $100,000 to deploy in organizations. Uh, so the warning is, if you're looking for an entertaining SEAL book where they tell stories and then and, and share my story of training you're not going to get that. There's a lot of other books that that can entertain you. This is hardcore education and application. Like we, if you want to increase your performance in any domain, it's there. And more importantly, if you want to be able to coordinate with others so that the team performance is another level, like we we give it to you, uh, start to finish and very very detailed.
1: Yeah, Larry, I don't think anyone's gonna misinterpret uh, you as a, as a fluffy guy. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: so I'll get you out of here on this, you know, uh, a piece of advice, if you could leave listeners with, you know, one thing that they could, you know, take from this, uh, what would that be? The one
0: piece is that your success in life is 100% dependent on your ability to team. And that, that truth will not only give you a better experience in life, but will give you the opportunity to increase your performance and anytime you are experiencing struggle, suffering, not getting where you want to go, go back to looking at what team am I on? What team do I need to be on? Do what behavior do I need to change of the team or mine within that?
1: Right. Well, that sounds like amazing, powerful advice. So Larry, this was so much fun speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on here and and talking with me today.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for listening today. If you like moving up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends, helping us grow. Thanks.